0: This podcast is brought to you from Grantwood AEA, an educational service agency that supports school districts in eastern Iowa with a focus on equity, excellence, and efficiency in education for all children. Welcome to episode 51 of the EdTech Takeout, the podcast that serves up bite sized technology tips for teachers. My name is Jonathan Wiley. This is Mindy Corney. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hoi. Hoi. Hello. <laughs> I feel like I haven't seen you in like two weeks I or know, something. I know, you watched it this morning
1: tech. I was like, oh, hey there, stranger.
0: Yeah, and I was looking for our, all our podcasting gear this morning yeah. and it was still in the suitcase that we took oh, to iTech. I have been, like, been here was like, where is it?
1: I know. I've been to Nashville, I've been to Florida. Yeah. You know, you just it's, it. hard <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to be me.
0: It's hard to be you.
1: Yeah. All right, so yeah start up with some news and follow up let's do it okay
0: I got an email from those nice people over at Flipgrid yeah and there's something new called the Flipgrid guest mode yeah now.
1: I didn't get this email
0: you didn't no well, maybe they just sent that to yes.
1: me. <laughs> the special users it's hard being me yeah right <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, and there's now the ability that you, if you had like a guest speaker yeah. or somebody that you wanted to give access to your grid, mm-hmm. you can grant them special permission to specific topics, okay, so that they can uh, jump in there. So maybe I don't know your kids all prepare questions for this guest speaker, and you sure. put them onto the Flipgrid. Mm-hmm. The guest speaker could come on and reply to those questions, yeah. If you gave them permission to access that, because that's yeah. something I always traditionally had my kids do when we have a guest speaker we all wrote down like three oh, questions yeah, sure. that we had for the speaker yes, so that we right. knew we're, were all we're prepared yes so you could uh have them put their questions into flipgrid and they could nice. jump in and do that too or you could have them create like a hi this is me kind of introduction uh, and yeah. then they put in questions and yeah. then he replies and or she yeah. replies. so good
1: parents use it
0: in theory, yes. Yeah, yeah right. I mean, parents it, or grandparents or...
1: Does it say in that special email that you got about how many guests you can have per, per board? Is there some sort of limitation to that or not?
0: I did not see didn't that. Didn't say anything no. like that. I mean, huh? it gave some examples. One was like speak to an expert. Yeah. One was uh, family homework where you take a topic you've already spent time learning in class yeah. and you assign it to your students' parents and families. Yeah. So that would suggest multiple... People could yeah. access on one link.
1: Yeah.
0: Huh. Uh, school-wide challenges. Use it with grid pals or thank a veteran. That's Aww. coming up isn't it? Yeah, so.
1: it is next week. Right? This yes. week. I don't even know what the date is. It's next I've been week. out of the state.
0: Yeah. <laughs> You're still on. <laughs> I'm still some on other another time zone. zone. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Oh, I like that idea.
0: Okay, so Flipgrid yeah. Guest mode.
1: Guest mode. How do you turn it on? That might be. Do you know? Does it I'll anything? put a link in the show notes. Okay, that sounds good. Um, so this next one I finally got and was waiting, patient maybe not so patiently, mm. um, it took me a while to get it, though, was the mm-hmm. new closed captioning for Google Slides. Yes. Yeah. Have you tried this?
0: I have tried it, yeah. yeah. It is very... Good. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: the way it works is that um, if you have a Google slide presentation up and going, you have to hit the present button. And then down in the left-hand corner where kind of that little dashboard is, there'll be the CC for closed captioning. And you turn that on and it voice types everything you're saying.
0: There's real-time closed captions.
1: Real-time closed captions. Yes. Who knew?
0: That's great.
1: Yeah. So this was going to be one of my tech nuggets, but I'm going to... Fast forward. I don't know if this is new or not, but Gina and I discovered it last week. Is uh, I had a, a um, like a video in my drive that wasn't, I mean, it was just a video, right? And um, over on the right hand side under the three dots, when I had that video pulled up in my drive, mm-hmm. you could download uh, like a transcript to that video. Really? Through a Google Drive folder or doc. Huh.
0: Yes. I did not know that. I
1: didn't know that either. We had never seen it before. And so I had... I just took, like, whatever doc I had and tossed it in there. The only thing I don't know how to do, because I didn't play with it very much, was, like, how to um, line it up with what people were actually saying, like, Mm -hmm. instead of it just being a scrolling thing. But... We talked, too, about how it'd be really nice just for, like, a minute and a half screencast or something. You know, like, something that's really short and quick because it wouldn't take you much to type up what you had said if you were trying to do it for, like, an hour long. Don't do that. Don't do that, folks.
0: I know on YouTube, if you do the closed captions there, you can go back in and edit, and it will give you, like, timestamps where you can change what right. words so maybe, are on the screen at certain times.
1: Maybe you can add those in there then?
0: I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah.
1: but so, that's interesting. Yeah, take a look at that.
0: I know that's something Maggie wanted the Google Slides closed captions to do, to be able to download right. those captions. Mm-hmm. But I think it's interesting if you came to do like a screencast or something and you weren't putting it on YouTube, yeah. you could put your presentation into, presen- into full screen mode, yeah. turn on the closed captions yeah. and do a screencast and have captions on at the same time.
1: Yeah. That's what we call a smash, app smash, sort of. Yeah. Is it? Sure. Okay. All right, so you were, okay, this next one, like, let's talk about how excited you were about this because every time I got an email about it, and I think I got two or three emails about this, I was like, dude, what's the big deal? You were super excited about this. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your, like... Your revelation last week.
0: <laughs> okay, well, there was just a small thing, I yes. guess, in hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Google introduced this new uh, creation extension called the dot new extension, where you could go to web browser and you could write doc dot new and it would create a new Google Doc for you. You could do slides dot new. And it would create a new Google slide for you. Yeah. And what mm-hmm. I didn't get the first time yeah. I, I saw this was I saw it on Twitter and I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. And I tried sure. it and it worked. But yeah. I didn't watch the whole GIF or the video that went yep. with it. So I didn't know that not only can you do doc.new, you can do docs.new and you can do document.new. Mm-hmm. And you can also do like <laughs> sheet.new and sheets.new and spreadsheet.new and yeah. and slide.new and yep. presentation.new. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so. It's a new way to quickly create a Google document. Yeah. Using the .dot new extension.
1: Yeah, I never knew. Ah, see.
0: You never knew. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm glad you're super excited about that. Way to go, Google! Yeah. You wowed Jonathan Wiley last week. There you go. Um, this one I didn't know anything about either because I saw it on the list today and I said what is this so screencastify has an add-on for Google slides you want to talk about that yeah it's just a short one again yeah. I
0: saw this online um, and I will link to that post but uh, there's this add-on for screencastify so that when you're inside of like Google slides mm-hmm. pr- I presume it must be slides only you can't yeah. do oh. that in docs or because right, you can't embed anything video. else yeah so you go to um, insert and you with video normally, if it was a Screencastify video, you'd mm-hmm. have to dig through your drive folders to get to Screencastify and then yeah. find all your videos. But the Screencastify extension will just open up a sidebar on the side, and we'll have that folder open with all your videos in it,
1: yeah. which is kind of nice. Because with Screencastify, I'm not very good about naming my Screencastify videos. Are you? Like <laughs> it's always yes. like a, the date and time, right? Yes. So yeah, um, that would be kind of nice if you wanted to edit in a Screencastify video because you probably. Unless you're better than I am, um, which is very much a possibility. Named it and knew exactly what it was called. But, yeah, so that's kind of nice. A little tip and trick. Yep. So uh, new Apple updates, which you always get super excited about, too. I'm going to ask you a question about this um, after you're done. Okay. i to have a little chit-chat. I forgot. I have just remembered something. But so, what did the new um, updates? What's what's going on out there?
0: All right, so we had new iPhones in September. Um, October was another hardware uh, refresh for Apple devices. There's a new MacBook Air, mm-hmm. which there has not been a new one of those for a long time. Got Retina screen and Touch ID and new keyboard and stuff like that. Eleven ninety nine. Wow, that starts at.
1: That's a lot.
0: That's what I'm. This it's a lot. It's kind of becoming a theme as yeah. I'm going to go yep. through here. Yep. New Mac Minis. Okay. They have not been updated for four years, apparently. Uh-huh. Um, they now start at seven ninety nine. Yeah, they used to be five oh, ninety nine wow. or four ninety nine.
1: Well, it has a better processor.
0: Uh, it does. <laughs> it should do though. <laughs> uh, new iPad Pros as well, third generation iPad Pros, which I'm kind of excited about. Yeah. Lots of fun things on there. Have you seen the new design?
1: No.
0: So what they did was they took away the home button. And they okay. squish down the bezels on all sides. Okay. So it's got like a thin bezel all the way around. Mm-hmm. The 10.5-inch iPad mm-hmm. Pro mm-hmm. is the same size, but the screen goes wider. To the edges to the almost, edges. yeah. The 12.9-inch iPad, the screen is the same size, but then they pull down the bezels. Hmm. So the 12.9 is actually a bit smaller in the hand. Hmm. So the new iPad Pro has Face ID. Um, Hmm. It's got a new A12X processor. There's a new Apple Pencil, which I think makes a lot more sense now. Okay, so
1: does that mean the old Pencil doesn't work?
0: Well, it means the old Pencil works with the older iPads. Yeah, of course. So the new Apple Pencil will stick magnetically to the side of the iPad. Oh, that's brilliant. It does that to charge and to pair. Oh,
1: to charge. An- oh, so that's it kind better. it okay. is
0: brilliant. It is. Yeah, of because you remember. I mean, you you and me have the same first generation yes. iPad Pro, yep. and you stick the iPad yeah, Pencil in the bottom. Yeah, right. It's hanging out the
1: bottom. We're like, what am I going to do with this thing? I swear, I'm going to
0: break it off one yeah, of these times right? when I charge it. Yeah, it's not. So, does great. it
1: come with the Pro though? It doesn't come with the Pro.
0: No, it doesn't come with yeah, the Pro. Yeah, of course not. So the new iPad Pro starts is $799 mm, for the 11-inch. Yeah. The Apple Pencil is $129. Holy
1: shnikes! The Apple
0: n- Smart Keyboard is yeah. $179. Wow. So if you add all that up with an 11-inch iPad yeah. and you get the keyboard and you get the Pencil you're paying as much as a MacBook Air yeah, you see, or you more well
1: go ahead and just purchase the MacBook Air
0: I know and then if you get the 12.9 inch iPad that's $999 yeah so everything is going up in price yeah
1: wow
0: I would really really like a new iPad Pro but um, I can't you can't I can't buy one at no, that price it it's like makes sense? so I'm going to introduce my new Patreon campaign which is patreon.com forward slash buy Wiley an iPad <laughs> and you can donate your hard no okay yeah so, yeah, hmm. everything is better, but yeah. everything is more expensive as well.
1: Yeah, sure. Okay, so this is going to ask you because I know that you looked into this. I need a new Apple Watch. Have I told you this? No. Yeah, so my Apple Watch is um, it's pretty much shot right now. I mm. It takes some finesse to make it work. Um, and I know you looked at the new Apple Watch 4. What did you think about
0: it? um i looked at it yeah. but yeah it's it's better and guess what it's more expensive uh, really um shocker. it's kind of like what they did with the phones and the ipads they've yeah. they've made the screen bigger yeah so that it goes around to the edges yeah so it's actually a little bit taller as well
1: it is it can't get a much bigger taller. it's gonna go it's over like, my what? my wrist
0: it's like another two millimeters or something taller right. so you might not notice that difference
1: yeah maybe not okay
0: but it should fit all your existing bands and stuff like that. Oh,
1: that's good. Because mm-hmm. that's a concern, because I've definitely accessorized. Yeah. There's, there's a I new go. feature
0: that if you fall over, it will automatically call 911 for you.
1: Oh, no. Help, i fall. Can you disable that?
0: You can <laughs> That'd be
1: embarrassing. No, I, dude, I just fell over.
0: Actually, I think it's only enabled for users that are 65 and over. Oh. By default, it's enabled for yeah. those people. So yeah. like, if you fall over, it will call emergency services. But uh, okay. hopefully you won't need that, Mindy. <laughs>
1: Yikes. Yeah. Okay, well thanks. I'll let you know how it goes. So what Google do you what shopping. do you what
0: do you have? Like a series. I have a two. Okay. Yep.
1: Yep. My little um my crown doesn't work anymore.
0: Mine's starting to get sticky. Yeah. And I don't know. Mine if I... went
1: sticky too, and then it just stopped working and oh, now I have okay. I have a hard time. So every time I get a notification, do you see it twitching?
0: That's a little weird.
1: Yeah, and then I can't clear it. Ugh. So, Useful. Yeah, it's helpful. All right, so up next, our main course, Serve to You Piping Hot. Today, we're going to do some. Me- 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 me. Let me start again. Mm-hmm. All right, Serve to You Piping Hot today. Our main course is EdTech Myth Busting. We're going to bust some myths.
0: I think this could be a fun conversation.
1: It could be. It's going to be, right?
0: So, we had this idea that there's a number of long-held beliefs, mm-hmm. maybe, right. um, in some sectors of education mm-hmm. regarding technology that we thought we could try and bust. We're
1: going to put the smack down today.
0: We'll do our All best. We. Okay. Yeah. Uh,
1: we hear this a lot, this first one. Okay. Don't you think?
0: We should. Yeah, we we hear a lot that. of
1: people ask about, um, what do you think the best device is for our school district?
0: Yeah, if they're going one-to-one one, or they're replacing one-to-one yeah. districts or they just have got a donation of some money, what is the best device to get? Yeah.
1: What's your first question, always when people ask you that?
0: What are you wanting to do, to do with it? With it? Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. We, um, I, I feel like we do get that question a lot, and we often say, well, what do you want your students to do? I, I, I don't know that there is going to be one device that's going to do everything that you want it
0: to. Yeah, I think Maybe. they all have pros and cons.
1: Yeah, so um, I don't know. What's your suggestion then? So what, what if they say, "Well, we want to do some movie editing. We want to do a little bit of this, a little bit of that." I mean, where do we go from here? what What's our What's our conversation around this? You think?
0: I kind of feel like there's there's no bad device anymore. Right. I mean, unless you're trying to wrestle well, up I some mean, really old yeah. Android tablets yeah. or something that sure. can't be updated past whatever. I, I don't right. know. But I feel like, you know, there are things you can do on Chromebooks. There are things mm-hmm. you can do on, on other devices. And, you know, I think just the, you can make the most of any device that you have, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, every device has limitations in, in some regards. Like, so, for instance, you know, it's not very easy to shoot video on a on a Chromebook. Yeah, However, um, people will tell you it's not always a lot of fun to do extended typing on an iPad. Right. And, Agreed. And so, you know, the, there's just pros and cons of, of each one. It, yeah. Sometimes I think it, you should not just be thinking about one device. You should mm-hmm. be thinking about, okay, what is the best yeah. device for a specific mm-hmm. purpose um, yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Um, so maybe, you know, we maybe talk about this a bit later, but I always wonder if things like, you know, when you're doing one-to-one programs we think about buying one device for all the students.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What would it be like if we said, okay, you're an art teacher. Mm-hmm. What do you want in your classroom? You're an ELA teacher. What do you want in your classroom? Right. And you're a math teacher. What would you like in your yeah. classroom? And the kids just went to those classrooms and they used the devices in mm-hmm. there. And I know that's it's not always going to be an ideal scenario because the kids won't be able to take those devices home. Yeah. But... You know, that gets to the crux of what do you want your kids to do? And yeah, and yeah. having the best device for that. And it's probably a headache for tech directors to support oh, all yeah, those different devices sure. and yeah. all the rest. But I don't know, I'm thinking utopian values here.
1: Yeah, right. And I totally agree. I I I do think it if you're getting to the point where you want to provide equal access to all of your students and um, having them being able to access their schoolwork and things at home, that, you know, if you do start thinking about a one-to-one environment, which, like Wiley said, we are going to talk about later, uh, that it is important to really think about those teachers that have special needs for their students inside those classrooms, like the art teachers and the math teachers. And so maybe your students do all get a, you know, their... Um, School-administered device or whatever, but then inside there they have carts or something like that of iPads or yeah, so, yeah. I'm totally on board with that. I always think m- I could never just do my job on a computer all day every day.
0: Yeah, I think the same way. Yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, I have to be able to have access to different things. So your students are probably going to want that too.
0: Mm-hmm. For so sure. Spend the money. <laughs> spend the money, people. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. Next one on here. Uh, technology should improve our test scores.
1: Oh, haven't we talked about this before?
0: I feel like we have, but we let's have. just bring it up let's again. It up you again. know, we used to do these. We used to do like hot topics, didn't we? Yeah, we did. It might have been a hot topic I think one time. It was point. a hot topic. I think so. Right. Technology and test scores. What's your What's your stand on that?
1: Well, I don't think technology is going to make any difference in test scores at all. Mm-hmm. There it is. It's not going to happen
0: the end crickets yes right (laughs) yeah
1: Yeah. um i I think it's unfair to put that sort of um emphasis on one sort of thing to improve test scores there are so many things that are involved with um, improving instruction improving engagement mtss all of those things play i think the most important role where technology is more of like you know a sub role in all of it. It's how you deliver things or um, tools to help students create or, you know, I mean, we're singing the same old story, but I think that's, a, that's, that's giving technology a lot of power if we think that's going to make a difference.
0: Yeah. And I think some of it comes down to what you're doing with the technology In your classroom, I mean, just because you have technology doesn't mean your scores are instantly going to go up. If you're doing the same things that you were doing when your scores were whatever they were before, and you're just doing the same thing with a a laptop or an iPad or whatever, then your scores won't change because the teaching hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. All you're changing is, you know, the the tool that students are using to produce the final product. I guess so. um, That and the fact that I some that I don't think technology and tests go all that well in hand because you right. have students creating all these things and having access to all these information and all resources and then on the mm-hmm. test it's like you've got to take all that away you can't use that mm-hmm. and you don't have access to that and it's yeah, right. like you know and that now you
1: need to take a standardized test yeah yeah right absolutely
0: so um yeah i'll maybe link to a, a blog post i think maybe we talked about it before but by dean chereski mm-hmm. and he talked about it as well. It was about oh. how one school district, I think in the LA school district, where you know they measured against what their test scores were before they went one to one with iPads and what they were like a few years after. And you know, it's it's not as simple as you put technology in the classroom and achievement will go up. Yeah, right. I wonder if they said that when uh, we first started using pencils.
1: I, you know? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, you've all got pencils <laughs> now, now. Why Come are, on.
0: Why aren't the kids smarter? You yeah. know, it's just a tool that you are using in the classroom.
1: Agreed. Okay, well, that's two.
0: All right, two for two.
1: Two for two. Uh, This one, one one-to-one programs are the solution to all your problems. Or I might even twist this a little bit and say something like, we have to go one-to-one because everyone else does or has. I agree. And
0: and we definitely saw a lot of that, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Certain schools felt like they had to... Keep up. Keep
1: up with the Joneses of sorts, yes.
0: yeah. Especially with, like, open enrollment and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. It's like you want to try and make your school look like the most forward-thinking mm-hmm. uh, modern school that is out there.
1: Yeah. And, I, I mean, I think we keep circling around to the same thing is that um, you can have one-to-one devices in your classrooms, but if your students are still just sitting there, you know, typing away at a research paper, it doesn't change what they're actually doing it's just changing kind of how they're doing it yes um and that it really isn't about the technology it's about what you're doing with your students so wouldn't it be i mean if you're looking at it as a marketing um view wouldn't it be neater to have your students sharing all of the amazing entrepreneurial things they're doing in their classrooms or um the outreach that they're doing in the community that's so much more powerful than it is about saying oh well we're a one to one district mm-hmm. you know
0: and i guess the truth is if you were not one to one before but then you suddenly go one to one then yes a lot of things will get better, but there'll be a whole bunch of other things like challenges yeah. to, to work with. Mm-hmm. And what it's like to teach in a one-to-one yeah. classroom is different from like when you have four or five devices yeah. that the kids are sharing. For, for sure. sure. Different classroom management strategies and, mm-hmm. and ways to work around that.
1: Yeah, right. It's not the solution.
0: It's not a solution, it's not but a solution. I, it, it's a good place to be. Yeah. Uh, or Potentially, it's yeah, a good place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not necessarily going to solve certain problems that you had before. True. All right. Okay. Let's do the next one. That mm-hmm. one is definitely one you put on the list.
1: Yes. Yeah, so um, students are digital natives. Mm. This one makes me crazy.
0: Prinsky, was it?
1: Prinsky, right?
0: Yes. Yes. I think so.
1: I think so. Uh, so like in the, what, early 2000s? Is that right? Right. Uh, somewhere around in there. I don't know. I'm just going to make up stuff. I'm just going to make up research right now. <laughs> um, in the early 2000s, there was an article written that um, described a digital native between a digital immigrant and that any any children born after like 1984, or the early 1980s, something like that, were considered digital natives and anyone born before that were digital immigrants and the idea was is that digital natives are students who are kids who grow up with technology at their fingertips all of the time and so they um, are able to work with technology better they're uh, multitask better they do all of these things better with technology than digital immigrants and i just call baloney yeah i just call baloney i think that's a bunch of baloney
0: because in practice, what you really see is that it's not a natural thing for kids just to be able to pick up a device and know how to use a specific app or tool or product. Yeah, right. Yes. Yeah. There's still a learning curve involved.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I... I you know, in my experience, and I'm not going to pretend that there's research behind this, maybe there is somewhere, but in my experience, students or children are more likely to pick up an app and investigate and explore it maybe more than I would see like an adult learner doing. Or they, you know, aren't afraid of clicking on something and breaking it or screwing something up. It's just not something that I, in my experience, that I've seen kids really worry about. Um, Adults, a little bit different, I think. But, The truth of the matter is, like, a 12-year-old or not 12, 13-year-old, 15-year-old using Instagram or Snapchat or something like that, you know, yes. Is it easier for them just to pick that up and play with it and figure it out? Probably. Are they going to pick it up and know how to create content or you know filter through garbage that they read on the internet or leverage it to improve and extend their learning no i think those are things that we have to teach kids and calling them digital natives and just expecting them to be able to do that because they've grown up with a smartphone you know within arm's reach all the time is is doing them a disservice
0: agreed and yeah i think you kind of hit the nail on the head there with that last part it's it's the difference between the way they would use a device at home or in their mm-hmm. personal life, yeah, and the right. difference between how you can use it creatively or to tell a story or to mm-hmm. you sure. know, push a message in in the same way you might do in in school. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, I agree with all that. Okay, you sound pretty passionate about oh, it. Oh, makes so. me nuts. Okay. Yeah, we yeah. could do like a whole episode just on that. You think?
1: <laughs> no, I said oh, that's all that's all I had. Okay, <laughs> that's it.
0: I looked it up. It was Mark Prince Game. So we, okay, were, we were right. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. All right. Next up. Oh, this one makes me crazy too.
0: <laughs> Technology equals engagement. Mm-hmm. This one makes you crazy.
1: This one makes me crazy too.
0: I'll just pass the soapbox over to you I then. No,
1: I feel bad. I feel like my face is even like turning red a little bit. Is it?
0: No, you're good. Okay.
1: So um, I would say that I feel passionately about this because I know that when I first started. Um, Using iPads in the classroom, I believe that technology equaled engagement. So I've lived it. And I was, and I, and I remember, I can still remember the moment when I kind of looked around, I'm like, wow, my students are working so quietly. Like everybody's really engaged. And then I started thinking about what they were actually doing and was kind of watching them. And they were doing like math flashcards, right?
0: And
1: yes, they were engaged, maybe. For the moment, because it was something new and flashy. You know, they had never used iPads in the classroom before. A lot of them had never even had their hands on an iPad before. It was in you know, a fairly new device. Uh, but just because they were compliant and sitting in their desks and flipping through flashcards didn't mean that they were actually engaged with content that they needed to be engaged with.
0: Right. It's that whole engagement versus yeah. compliance yeah. debate again. Yeah. Yes, for sure.
1: So I. I often, you know, worry a little bit about when I hear people say, I just need to put some technology in this lesson because I want to see my students engaged. And that's, once again, not going to solve your problems. They might be engaged for a moment because it's a new flashy tool or it's got some bells and whistles that are kind of fun to play with. But... It really is about what the students are doing and if it, they're doing what they need to be doing to extend their learning.
0: Agreed. Okay. Yeah. I have nothing further to add, <laughs> Your Honor. I you know. Okay. Let's <laughs> yeah. stop talking now. No, that's good. <laughs> I like this, Mindy. Okay. Um. So let's move on to another myth. We've got like three or four still to do here. Okay. Digital citizenship is the responsibility of teacher librarians. Yeah. We should get Lynn in to talk about this. Yes. She would love this, yeah. wouldn't she? Oh. Uh, so this is one of those things. I yeah. think it it kind of gets perpetual. Oh, she's
1: she's, <laughs> she's peeking in the window. She's, she's peeking heard in her the window like, now. Oh. She did. <laughs> she heard her name.
0: <laughs> so this is one of those one of those things that I think. Um, I don't know. I don't know where this even came from. I don't but, know
1: why is this a thing.
0: Yeah, because digital citizenship is something that is part of that library media curriculum that they do teach kids and is an important thing as part of that digital literacy um, idea, but it's not solely the responsibility of the teacher librarians. It's any time that you come up across... An issue in your classroom, Mm -hmm. whether it's like kids using images in a slide deck or whether they're getting music from somewhere or whether you're addressing something that they're finding online that's objectionable or disagrees with people's ideas on a topic, then, you know, that's that's a digital citizenship Mm -hmm. talking point that you can have with your kids in the classroom.
1: Well, you know, and let's say 10 years ago, most of the technology in the school was probably housed inside the media center, right? So Mm -hmm. if teachers were going into the lab, it still was like, you know, the media center is where all that technology lives. So it was the teacher librarian's responsibility to share those digital citizenship things. But we've moved so much technology into classrooms. Students are involved with it consistently and constantly. And if we're not addressing those things in the moment and are giving those topics over, like, Oh, the teacher librarian will take care of it when they go to the media center for half an hour once a week. It's just not mm-hmm. It's not doing it in real time when it, when it really needs to be addressed. And I think that's unfortunate, unfortunate, unfortunate that we have, I think, still some of that stigma around that digital citizenship is taught in the media center.
0: And to be clear, I guess, you know, we're not talking about you teaching necessarily a 40-minute digital citizenship right. lesson in math. Right. You know, I mean those types of scenarios those more structured Mm -hmm. conversations may be better with the teaching librarians but you know there are opportunities in your classroom with the things that you do with your kids when they're on devices that you need to reinforce that kind of message that is Mm -hmm. being heard there so that kids see that as a role model and they know that this is a consistent message that Mm -hmm. applies throughout the school in all areas and all Mm -hmm. classrooms and all subjects and everything else all the time all the time yes yeah for sure
1: all right, next up. Digital equals accessible. Mm. Tell me why you wrote this down.
0: So, this is something that Maggie suggested, oh, Maggie okay. Pickett on our team. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the teams I'm on here at Grantwood is the Accessible Educational Materials team. And mm-hmm. um, we talk about UDL and making sure kids all have access to materials that are available to them as opposed to just handing them one version of a material mm-hmm. like you know, t- paper copy of something and, and uh, the kind of stereotype with that is well a st- paper textbook is not very accessible right. because if you wanted that read aloud to you or you wanted to I don't know look up some words and they're in like a dictionary bank or something like that then you can't do that in a paper copy and the myth is that if it's digital then it's accessible mm-hmm. and in reality as you'll Probably know yourself, a lot of you, that, you know, you have those digital online textbooks and things like that, but they don't work on all devices, Mm -hmm. or they're not compatible with screen readers, or they don't have those accessibility functions built in that will let you do Mm speech-to-text or or text-to-speech and and those other things, so... um, Digital is not always accessible, unfortunately. Yeah,
1: and just in the last probably two months or so, I feel like I've learned a lot of lessons primarily, I think because Maggie is now on the team and has made us more aware of the things that um, we're missing from blog posts or even like on Twitter and Instagram and like how to make those things accessible so uh, people with, you know, challenges of some sort, you know, can... Be able to access that stuff in the same way that others can, and it's just—it's been very eye-opening. It's yeah, been definitely very eye-opening. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's been great to have that. Yeah, additional point of view on our yeah, team for I sure.
1: Agree. Screen time is bad. Oh,
0: <laughs> I know we've r- talked r- about this before. Yeah, yes, yeah. this is a
1: hot topic too. Yeah,
0: I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Long-time listeners may remember this one. <laughs>
1: yeah. Mm. So screen
0: time is bad.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, I really love the Facebook article that always says screen time is like heroin. Have you seen this? You know, article I don't on Facebook. Think so. You're not much no. of a Facebook reader, so no, not at all. That makes me crazy too when I see people starting to share that article. It's like how addictive screen time can be, and I would not say that screen time is not addictive. Okay. I believe that it can be. Yeah. Don't you think? I, I mean, think so. I know, yeah, myself, once mm-hmm. we start talking about that screen time, the we new did. screen time. In iOS, yeah. Yes. I spent six hours on Words with Friends last week. That's a lot of time. Yes. It was my most used app, right? Okay. But right. it's just, I feel like I'm engaging myself, right? I'm making my brain work. So it's a little bit better is than Is it on engagement
0: Facebook. or is it?
1: <laughs> well, it okay. is. If, Here we go. Yeah. You yeah. have my vocabulary. It's, you have to seriously make your brain work to make, you know. Um, but what I would say, and I would think that you probably agree, is that there's a big difference in sitting in front of a screen and consuming like I don't know, like my kids watching those videos of yeah. kids unwrapping gifts that they yep. wish they had. For sure. In comparison to um them creating their own videos. I mean, that's still screen time. Yeah. Right? But the difference would be their level of engagement.
0: Yeah, no, I, I see that at home with my kids as well and certain apps and things will play on their on their tablets. Yeah. And then you know, even you know, it's going to look similar to some people, like them when they're on Minecraft. Yeah. And then I, I, I still mm-hmm. think there's a difference between those like consumption games where they're doing like little endless runners or, yeah. or driving games or whatever. Yeah, and like
1: then, Plants vs. Zombies. Yeah. Brainless and then, game.
0: M- Minecraft, I walked in the other day and my daughter created a, a school yeah. and all these different rooms and they had, she had desks out yes. and she had all these different... And the, the time and creativity and yeah. thought that went into something like that, I feel like that was more... Of what we're getting at here, which yeah. is quality versus quantity right. of screen time, right? And I think we still need to be mindful of it because at the yeah. end of the day, if your kids are one in a one-to-one school and they're using devices all day long, and oh, then they yeah. come home and they're Absolutely. still using devices, then yeah. you, this, you know, it's 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 a different type of usage. I get that, yeah. but
1: well, and I know, like even you know, throughout my day you know eight hours there are days where sometimes i am in front of my screen for that full eight hours because it's the day of. i'm like catching up on email i'm you know doing this and i'm doing that and even if i'm doing some creating in there and like creating graphics or whatever i still go home at the end of the day like oh my gosh like i feel like i could claw my eyeballs out it's Mm -hmm. You know, and then I go home and play Words with Friends for a couple hours, you know.
0: Like. Yeah, we know that now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I think it's important still, as with anything, the balance of working with others and collaborating online, but offline, too. It's so important to be able to communicate face-to-face with someone and give feedback and things like that. And how important it is to make sure you have that balance in your classroom. Because if you're not doing it in your classroom, you can't expect someone else to be doing it in their classroom either. It has to be a balanced approach.
0: I'm nodding my head here, yeah. but yes, you're, okay. you're right. Correct. Yeah. All right. Did we leave the most uh, controversial one to the to the end here? Oh yeah, yes. I don't know if this is controversial or not, but yeah, I think um, it is. Okay.
1: Okay. So you say it.
0: All right. then. <laughs> There's software you can get for your devices, right? And you can get these for basically all platforms. Mm-hmm. The one of their selling features is the ability to monitor and control your kids' devices in your classroom so right. that you can see everybody's screens at one time. And I feel like there's there's this conception misconception out there that you couldn't teach without those types of supports. Right. And I get the impression that a lot of the time... It is possible to yeah, do that. I would I agree. I mean, I've heard people say, oh, I couldn't live without GoGuardian or Land School or right. any of these other tools that help me see all the devices of my kids at one time, or mm-hmm. maybe even Apple Classroom does that right. with, with the iPads too. Yeah. So, is there an alternative? Is there mm-hmm. is there things we can do in our classrooms that maybe don't necessitate having those types of software installed?
1: Yeah. I think it is tricky. I'm not going to lie. You know, if you think about working with students in small groups um, and, you know, I we talk so much about blended learning, about having those students in different stations and they're using um, technology for different things. But I'm back with my group of five kids and it leaves those other 25 kids, I'm hoping, are being accountable and doing what they're supposed to be doing. But I can't necessarily see those screens. And so I think there is some sort of like kind of safety like a safety net feeling of, well, if I could lock them into what they're supposed to be doing, then I know that that's what they're doing. And that's, I just don't think that's probably the case. Uh, So I guess there are, I think it's important to be thinking about what your students are doing, which also brings up that idea of personalized learning. If they are, they're going to make mistakes and they are going to screw around here and there. Just like, you know, I'll be honest, like I'm not like 100% on Eight hours every day while I'm here. There are times where I might, you know, sure. like I don't know, look at something on Twitter that isn't necessarily work related. But at the same time, I know that I need to do that. I can't be on for eight hours every day. But we really have to look at making sure that our students are doing what is best for their learning. And if, with that personalized learning model, you know, where students are choosing uh, maybe a passion project of some sort and are really interested in what they're doing, they're highly engaged in it, they're feeling that time might be better better utilized by them if they're really engaged in something that is important to them. Now, do they, you might, teachers often, you know, are like, well, I have to get these things done and I have to know that they're knowing, you know, that they're working on those things. Absolutely. Um, but classroom culture is so important you know for sure and that the fact that you have to be able to trust each other to be doing the work knowing that everyone's going to fall through the you know fall into the you know i don't know disengagement side here and there it's probably going to happen yeah i don't know
0: and you know there's always that um temptation with devices that you could just open open a new tab and then exactly but yeah like you said, I think it's part of that classroom culture, setting expectations, have been able to trust and and work with each other and you know when I think about the times even even before I had any devices in my classroom that you know the times when kids were not doing what I wanted them <laughs> yeah, to do right. was usually because what I was asking them to do was not very engaging, yeah. and it was not a very exciting thing to do, so I mean they're going to look for other things to do instead if they don't have yeah. something that is directly interesting them or mm-hmm. keeping them engaged in in the work. I'm not saying that's that's necessarily the problem here for everybody, but I know right. that it, it was in my classroom that I yeah. could look back at some of those activities and think, yeah, that was just like a, a row hundred problems of this. And yeah, it's like, sure. you know, that's, nobody's going to be thinking, wow, a hundred math problems. Yay! Let's get at it. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be looking around the room thinking, geez, I wonder longer. how long is it going to take me to do this? Yeah, yeah. right. So, there's a place for those uh, land school and Go Guardian things. I think we were talking about this earlier and someone mentioned, you know, they have like other types of monitoring type of yeah uh, things in there where they could monitor was, like keywords and searches and right. emails and things too. Yeah,
1: so, um, and I didn't know what the name of this is, but Linda, did, when we were talking about it, she's like, oh yeah, that's called, it's called Beacon and it's through GoGuardian. And there is like a, um, kind of like a social emotional sort of, thing that goes on. So they look for different phrases and things like that, uh, in emails that would flag maybe students that would need help with a counselor or, um, just need someone to check in on them and make sure everything's okay. So in that regard, absolutely. It's a powerful tool. I think that's awesome. Uh, I just get a little bit nervous when we start locking our students into screens. Yeah. During their work. Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: how would you feel as an adult if you were logged into that one oh screen? Oh my gosh! Yeah? I quit. You would Okay. <laughs> I'd
1: be like, I'm out. <laughs> uh, I don't do very well, well with rules, though. So, mm-hmm. that is some of the problem.
0: Those are our edtech myths for uh, this episode. If you busted. If you have ideas or <laughs> comments or suggestions, send them out to Team Carney on Twitter. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. <laughs> oh, jeez.
0: And oh, she will take care of all those yeah. for you. <laughs>
1: All right, up next, my favorite, Tech Nuggets. Tech Nuggets. Tech Nuggets. Well, I gave one of my Tech Nuggets already, but I brought three.
0: You had a spare nugget? I had
1: a spare nugget, and the reason I had a spare nugget is because you shared my Tech Nugget on Twitter like three weeks ago.
0: Nobody saw that.
1: Yeah, right. It got retweeted like a gazillion times. Thanks a lot. All right. So, I'm going to start with my nugget, which is the um, Notable Women AR. And um, what's neat about it is that it allows you to see notable women on dollar bills. So, it's kind of like the old Erasmus, you know, like you can hover over that dollar bill and see. I don't even know. What did Erasmus do when you... It did things like that, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. did it. I don't know what it did. Anyway, Mm -hmm. so... Now what you can do is see historical women um, on U.S. currency. So kind of a neat little thing uh, to share with students. And uh, there's like Harriet Tubman. There are um, Elizabeth Maggie. I don't know. Somehow has the history of the board game Monopoly. I don't even know. And that's what's neat about it. It's like women that you don't necessarily know about. So you should really uh, check that one out. Notable Women is the name of it.
0: Well, for the record, I'd just like to add that um, I did give you credit when I tweeted yeah, it out. Yeah, I know. It
1: you takes know. the fun away, though. I didn't say, look at this nugget. amazing
0: app I found.
1: <laughs> I know, but you shared it. It was supposed to be a tech nugget. Well, you... you put Brush Ninja on here?
0: I did. That's my nugget. Oh, it's here. I was
1: going to save that one for next time. Mine. Brush
0: Ninja. Yes. Thank you, Richard Byrne. Um, I found Brush Ninja, which is an animated GIF creator. Yeah. This is just a fantastic little tool. It I didn't is. know this even existed. So you go to brush.ninja. It is a free is that tool. Is it working on
1: your tablet right now? Yes. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. I just did it on my computer.
0: See, if you did that as a nugget, I would have had to jump in and told you that. So Shacker.
1: Why well, wasn't using it this time?
0: So uh, you go to brush.ninja and. Um, yep. You don't even need to log in, which is no, fantastic. I know. And you get this little drawing pad. It yep. looks like an Instagram square type of uh, sheet paper here. Mm-hmm. All the colors over on the side. you got some pen thickness and pen tools over on the left and some uh, shapes and text and all kinds of other stuff. And you draw it like a frame at a time to do like a stop motion animated gif type of deal so you you draw one part and then at the bottom are your frames and you can copy the frame so that on the next one when you add something else and you keep copying the frames and building it up part by part and it, it's really super simple and easy to do uh you can there is a limit to the number of frames you can have i oh. don't know what it is i think I it's know, maybe yeah. like sixteen. i did like
1: four or five today and that was plenty but yeah
0: And you can choose um, things like uh, the number of frames per second that it plays at, so you can speed it up or slow it down. Mm -hmm. You can do a little bit with, like, layers and animation, move things backwards and forwards on your image. You can have background images. And then you just hit the export button, and you can uh, create an animated GIF of your creative Mm -hmm. artistic effort. Yeah,
1: that's neat.
0: So, yeah, I'm glad I thought of it as a I saw it from
1: Eric Kurtz. You saw it from Richard Byrne, huh? Yeah. Hmm. All right, well, let's see.
0: Beat Brush Ninja if you can. Yeah,
1: I don't know that I can beat Brush Ninja. Oh,
0: Brush Ninja also has a Mac app. They do? Yes.
1: Nobody has a Mac app anymore, do they? They have
0: a Mac app and they have the web app. And the web app works on all devices.
1: Yeah. Hmm, nice. All right, well, I have something called Tall Tweets. Have you seen this? I don't think so. So what Tall Tweets does is takes your Google slide presentation.
0: Wait a minute.
1: And creates it into a GIF.
0: We just did GIFs. I know. Okay. GIF mark too.
1: So uh, I use this a lot for iTech. Well, a couple of times. I shouldn't say a lot. I used it for iTech when I was tweeting out just, you know, the stuff with like our presentations and stuff like that and took some of the slides from my slide deck and put them into tall tweets. And it just flashes them through as a GIF.
0: So you can take all the slides from a present, all the slides from a presentation um, or do you, can you seen, choose like several ones or uh, specific ones?
1: You can, I don't know that there's a limit. Okay. I did try, you know, Amber and I have that one slide deck that is like 94 slides long. You know, yeah. I remember that one. Yes. Yeah. That
0: choose your own adventure. Yeah. One. The choose yes. your
1: own adventure one. Um, And I tried to do that one and it wouldn't load. Okay. So I don't know if it's just because there's so much stuff on it that it was, you know, too much. But you can choose specific slides and just do like a 1, 5, 7 and choose ones out. Or I think it'll just make one straight out of your whole slide
0: deck. Okay. All right. So my last Techno group pick is a link I saw tweeted out on Twitter by a Googler. I think that's what they're called. Okay. Someone who works at Google. Google-y. E. <laughs> a Googler. <laughs> um, maybe we're all Googlers. I don't maybe. Know. Um, And there's a link that they have here called okay. Upcoming G Suite Releases. And it's a website you can go to. And it basically shows you all the things that Google are working on for future feature updates. Nice. So if you want to take a little peek at what's coming up on the old Google timeline for your favorite app of choice, yeah. then this link shows you that. It lets you uh, filter through by a different app. So, for example, for Google Docs, they have something coming up that says, use machine learning technology to recognize and help correct potential grammar issues in real time. So as you are typing, it is checking your grammar.
1: So, like auto compose, kind of.
0: I'm thinking like, like smart compose. I'm thinking things like ginger and stuff like that. You know, I've seen yeah. that extension. So, yeah, so it's checking what you are typing in real time. So, that's mm-hmm. coming soon. You heard it here first, guys, if you didn't hear it anywhere else. <laughs> um, sheets, you can. They're working on the ability to add images directly into a cell in Sheets. I and think that, you could already do that. Well, I think you can't. You have to do it like with some URL or something oh, now. It's I like, would agree. I think you're right. Yeah. So oh, that drives me crazy. I feel like I should be able to. share all
1: those Sheets you're using, That's it drives you crazy. Every time I, <laughs> I go like, in there, yeah. I want to put an image in. <laughs> I just want there. to put an image in my And then I have to do like a formula
0: or <laughs> something. And, yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay.
0: So that's coming in Sheets. Um, yeah. Enable users in Google Drive accounts to securely view comment, suggest changes, and edit files with a PIN code, even if they don't have, like, a Google account. Oh. So you could share it with somebody and let them comment or edit on it, and you have a secret PIN code Ooh, that they need I to like get this. into. I like this.
1: Ooh, Google, thank you. I like that.
0: Secret PIN codes.
1: Yeah, that's nice. Okay.
0: And uh, here, oh, no. here's one that's oh, similar no. to what we just okay. talked about. Quizzes in locked mode on Chromebooks prevent students from navigating away from a quiz until they submit their answers on managed Chromebooks. Yeah. And I guess, you know, that's going to be the old stop them opening a new tab and right. Googling the answer, which takes us back to...
1: Think about what you're asking.
0: Correct. Mm-hmm. Line answer. Yeah. So, there you go. Right. That's called. Co- I'll put the link in for that because it's yeah, not something easy, but it's upcoming G Suite releases. You yeah. could throw that into a search engine and probably find it quite quickly.
1: So, I had put um, one more Technicon on here. I forgot because I Wait. did them last week before I left on my trip. Jeez. Um, to go along with, although at that time I didn't know that you had put the Land School and Go Guardian one on there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I did see, and I hadn't, I guess I. This isn't new, but it was something that I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of forgot about that, is that if you have students in a slide deck, a collaborative slide deck, so they're all creating on different slides at once, you could put them into, you could put your slide deck that you're looking at into grid view and be Mm -hmm. able to see what all the students are working on at one time.
0: That is fun. Right. That's a good idea. I did that recently with some teachers. Yeah. Everybody had their own slide and they were yeah. all working on something. Mm-hmm. I did not think to do that.
1: Yeah. And I um so last week when we were doing that Google Basics class and I said, "And look, now you can do grid view and then I can see what all of you are creating." So if I am interested in what this one student is doing, I can go over and say, "Hey, you know, tell me more about what you're doing here. Explain what you're working on." And That would yeah. be
0: a great way to use that monitoring yeah. aspect of that. Right. Yeah. So Okay, and where did you get that amazing tech that nugget from? That
1: was from Matt Miller. I don't know. I just came across it. He sends out some good stuff. I usually try and skim through it, and I was like, oh, that's a, you know, yeah. we should tell people about that. You Thanks, should. Matt Miller. Mm-hmm. I like it.
0: Yep. All right, before we go, um, this has been a longer episode, but I wanted to do a few shout-outs. Oh. And we haven't done these for a while because of like iTech and some other things on here, so uh-huh. you might like the first one. Um, a quick tip of the hat to Craig Nansen, who's been checking my work on Podbean oh. and let me know about bad links in the show notes. Oh,
1: have you been making lots of mistakes?
0: Well, I think Podbean is doing something weird to my links. So oh, I'll, usually sure. put in, I'll usually put in the show notes are at dlgwa.org forward slash podcast forward slash yeah. 51. Yeah. And it's it looks like it's the right link, but when you click on it, it's not the right link. Oh. So um, Craig, thank you. Thank you. you. Craig,
1: email me next time so I know he's making mistakes. Thanks.
0: Okay. Well, I'm admitting it on the I show. I don't know how <laughs> more public I could be. I love that. Uh, we also heard from Rachel Smith, who liked um, PDF Candy. Oh, yeah. That's a previous a Tech Nugget pick. Mm-hmm. So you can try that at pdfcandy.com if you haven't tried it. And uh, thank you to aforementioned Eric Kurtz, who right. also shared that blog post. Eric. Hey, and got us like a million hits.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, Ed Tick Wilson on Twitter loved Mindy's Toy Theater pick. I
1: know, it's a good one.
0: That's the old virtual manipulatives that yeah. you think should be the national virtual manipulatives. I do. Mm-hmm. Website I'm going thing. to
1: Congress. Yep.
0: Okie okay. Uh Ben Fate, Arcadia Parson, Thomas Hammerland, Sheila Gearhart were sharing the show uh, with other people on Twitter. So it's always good to see that.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you.
0: And last but not least. Jen Giffen was excited to hear Manuel Herrera on the episode last oh, week. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. He was a fun guest. He was. We should have him back.
1: We should. I am at Team Carney on Twitter and Jonathan is at Jonathan Wiley. Our team account is at DLGWAEA. You can use our hashtag, hashtag EdTechTakeOut not EdTechTO mm-hmm. okay, to take the show. If you prefer you can send us an email to podcast at GWAEA.org
0: So until next time.
1: This has been the EdTech Takeout. We hope it hit the spot.
0: For more information on today's episode, please visit dlgwaea.org slash podcast.